Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. From the Ray Horseman Studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. On tonight's show, natural disasters, fires, earthquakes, Miranda Street. Are you prepared to deal with the worst life has to offer? Survival expert Dan Baird will attempt to survive his walk down Miranda Street to talk emergency preparedness. And then, we debut our new segment, Outside the Actor's Studio. Tony Award-winning actor Bill Irwin, yes, you heard me, Bill Irwin, is here to give Paula some much-needed audition tips. Can Paula beat out Meryl Streep and Dame Emma Thompson for the role of Paula Poundstone in Paula Poundstone the movie? Maybe. I'm Adam Felber, tasked with holding the verbal fire extinguisher to keep our show from going up in flames. And now, please welcome the woman who's always a disaster waiting to happen, Paula Poundstone! That is a lovely introduction. Thank you. Welcome, Paula. And and welcome to tonight's house band melodicist, Jason Shine. Which, uh, Adam says, is also called a hooter. A melodica is also known as a hooter. A you hooter. Might, those of you out there who are into the late night television might know it as the instrument that um, uh, on, on Stephen Colbert's show, jo- John Batiste plays. Yeah. Of the, the famous New Orleans jazz funk family, the Batistes. The, the hooter. It's a hooter. Uh, and there was a band in the mid-80s called the Hooters. I didn't know a that. Very influential band. They yeah. wrote some big hits. Yeah. Yeah. Big hooter hits. Big hooter hits. Hooter. Yeah. It's just fun to say. All You Zombies was one of their hits. Um, it's just fun to say hooter yeah. over and over again. So, um, uh, Paul, I know, Paul, I know you were on kind of a new linguistic quest. Speaking of things that are fun to say, you know, I was listening to Trump the other day. And while Trump I was, who? Uh, Donald Trump, uh, President Trump. Oh, wow. And, and while I was cleaning up from my reaction, I was thinking, he has the narrowest vocabulary. He does not know a lot of words. You know it, I know it, and people are saying that he does. A lot of people say it. It's horrible. It's a shame. It, it, it is, I guess. I mean, I, I wish he had more words. Well, you know, the truth is, I get thinking about it. Although he it. says he has the best words. He does. He has the best. He's going to have the best people. He has the best words. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said his, his words were nice. That's what he said the other day. Oh, yeah? Um, but, you know, <laughs> he's so easy to criticize that, that that on this particular topic, I have to say, right. I, when I got thinking about it, I realized I could be kind of in a glass house on this one. Why? Because I don't have a big vocabulary. Well, you have a reasonably myself. good vocabulary. I, I, I feel like you use more words than our president. Does I, well, I use a lot of words over and over again. Yes, I so, probably talk even more than the president. But uh, absolutely. I, um, but I just so I've dis, I've decided that given that we have this opportunity, we have this um, f- this this forum. 
this forum precisely. Yes. Uh, that's I a word you would, could use a, instead of opportunity yeah, there. Yeah, that was it's more good. accurate. Yeah, yeah, we have this um, thing. Yeah. That used to drive my oh, father forum crazy. Would I'd say, forum would be good. Platform would work. Given that we have this thingy. Which no, is what I, I again, forum or platform say, are, are Oh, my God, that made my father angry. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. we have a thingy. Yeah. Um, and the, So the thingy <laughs> that I've decided to do is to expand my vocabulary. Um, one I'm word gonna, at a time. One word at a time. So today's right. word. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, to, so we're going to have a word of the day on our so, weekly podcast. So it's, uh, it's something like that anyways. Okay, okay for example... To speak at length is to perorate, and a peroration is the concluding part of a speech or oration, reiterating or summing up what has been said. So what I'm saying is that perorate is the latest addition to my vocabulary. Perorate. Perorate. Yeah. Perorate. Okay. And that, uh, uh, and, and so, and I'm you, saying perorate, and you're saying perorate. Yeah, but- Because you're doing more French. I'm more, yes. Uh, you do it more bubbly. a distinct French accent yeah, there. Perorate. Kind of south, south side, southwest perorate. side of Paris. Perorate. Perorate. My friend, so, but, Adam. But I do like that Adam, clever- you are perorating. <laughs> I do Sick like, I do like that, that thing that you did at the end there where you perorated. Yeah. Oui. I, I, I did the perorate. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah. anyways, you know, well, so, for, so, for all of our benefits. So now- you're... It's not just my word, Adam. Feel free that you can use perorate, perorate. if you would like to. My friend Adam will now perorate. Well, I will offer a peroration. Uh, yeah. All right. Conclusion. A conclusion. Um, yeah. So I think it's really going to, oh, Great. You know. you know, I feel like this is almost, I mean, it's such a fish in a barrel kind of thing, but one word per week is not going to greatly enhance your vocabulary. Yeah. I remember... It's almost like our, some of the other things we do, like our search for missing survivalist Thomas Coyne. What? Well, your search methods are questionable in that you're having people search? just identify places where he is not. It is a, it is a worldwide manhunt. Yeah, have, it's it's not, a dragnet. Again, I've, on Twitter, people write to me all the time. People come up to me at yeah. my shows and they say, just, you know, I looked for him in the restroom here. He's not there. Yeah. That, you and know I, what? I keep it's, pointing out that like, if, reporting where he's not is not a search. If you see something, say something. Right, That's... And, and what I'm saying is maybe if you see nothing, don't bother saying anything. <laughs> Because that's no. what we're doing here. Yeah. But we're, what we're doing, Adam, is we're finding all the areas that he isn't. We're narrowing it down. We're not, though. And, and again, I feel like we, we, we do this a lot. Yeah. And hopefully that's entertaining to our audience. Yeah. But, I, but if, he's not, if he's not in this room right now. No, he isn't. Right. Um, Tony, you want to check that off on the map, please? But you can't, there's no point in checking that off on the map because he could very well be here when we're not here tomorrow. It's not really a dragnet if you're just picking data points. Huh. You know, you, you perorate. <laughs> That's what I'm finding. Not how you, On that you, topic, you have a tendency to perorate. I did just perorate. You did. You, you perorated. Absolutely right. It was right. a peroration. It was a peroration. Yeah. So what I'd like to say to you is keep up the search, people. <laughs> well, my loquacious friend, I, I know that you've had kind of a, a rousing celebrity-filled weekend. We want, want to get to that? Oh, my gosh. It has been exciting. Yeah. I was just in Florida. Okay. And Martina Navratilova came up to me. Martina Navratilova, tennis great. Navratil- sorry, Mavratilova. Navratilova. Oh, my gosh. If it were French, it would be so much easier for me. 
Um, <laughs> you know, because that is a language, a language that, that, that you don't speak. That flows yeah, from me. Sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, she came up uh, just to talk to me after my show. It was so, so she was at your show. She was at my show, That's and she came. Wonderful. Which, she wanted to hang around the doorway afterwards. She. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, she I'm was. Not, at, I'm not a fan of her comedy, but yeah. I've always wanted to meet Paula Poundstone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she just waited outside like the little match girl. I'm super impressed because I really love tennis. I've watched tennis for years. So, and she was one of the best ever. I have to confess that I haven't watched all that much, but I didn't tell that to her. No, you did uh, not. No, but, <laughs> but but I knew who she was right away. She didn't. She didn't have to say her name. Well, I she's mean, I turned, instantly recognizable to just about everybody on the planet. She is instantly recognizable. Right. Yes, exactly. Did, did you, so what I did in right. my excitement, like I did get, uh, I didn't have my phone with my flat thing with me, so I didn't. I, I didn't. I couldn't take it. So I asked somebody else to take a picture of us and email it to of you and Martina Navratilova. Precisely, and I didn't ask her if I could post it, so I didn't post it. Oh. But what I did because I wanted to share it with somebody. Oh yeah, I, you should have sent it to me. I wrote an email to my manager, uh, Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns. Bonnie that Burns, night. right here tonight. And I said, already I making said, noise. I said, guess who came to you know see me? And I That's sent nice. this picture, and she wrote back. Is it the makeup lady? <laughs> the makeup lady? What was and she talking about? By the way, about? I don't have a makeup lady in Florida. Shocking. Yeah. I don't what travel with a makeup lady. What was she talking about? Sometimes I slap on some red lipstick, but I do it all by myself. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. really. Just, boy, my lips show up. <laughs> yeah, and, and well defined. So I don't know why she thought I would have a makeup lady in Florida. Well, who's she talking why? about? Uh, Marina Navratilova. No, and Martina Navratilova. <laughs> I know. That's the, the, the picture, but what makeup lady was she talking about? I have no idea. Don't make me ask Bonnie. <laughs> She's not on mic, and I don't want to open up the can of worms anyway. Yeah, I don't. Bonnie, know. Well, all right, Bonnie, no. who are you talking about? No, I didn't. At first, knows. I thought she meant Cheryl, who does my makeup here in Los Angeles. Right. When I, when I, if I'm doing like a photo but session, but no, Bonnie's or mind didn't go there. It was some, no, some and old I makeup th- And by the way, she doesn't look anything like Cheryl. And then later, I I realized. Um, it was she was thinking of a, a makeup person we used a long time ago who moved away to but not Texas. To, Florida, to Texas. No, she moved away to Texas. Arguably not the same place as Florida. No, and she wouldn't. Right, exactly. And she wouldn't just so come Bonnie up to me. mistook Martina Navratilova. Right. For some makeup lady from the past. Is it the makeup lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I well, get. To, I was so excited. I was yeah. so happy to share. Uh, and uh, what do I get? Is it the makeup get, lady? The makeup it just kind of sucked the life out it of it. It sure you did, know? yeah. Like it deflated it your balloon as it were. Lady? Yeah. You know, it was like, I, first of all, I, you know, it just isn't fun to write back. No, it's not. And then explain who it is. <laughs> no, that's just uh, the opposite of fun. But then also I just, you know, then I just have to come to terms with the fact that for 25 years I've worked with someone who goes, is it the makeup lady? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. She moment. has a thing where she thinks everyone is the makeup lady. Apparently. Uh, the woman who mistook yeah. her and I just, for I, a It's not lady. like I, again, I don't travel with a makeup lady. Yeah. It, w- uh, just, it wouldn't make sense. Although, no, uh, in fairness to Bonnie, I think she was suggesting that your makeup lady uh, teleported from Texas to Florida, and she thought- Well, oh. okay, that she may have moved to Texas and then gone to now, Florida. Now, let me I mean, ask that's you about this makeup lady. But her name was Nicole, and she worked for, for me for years. Now, let me ask you a question, and I want to move All on All during this, the time I'm that I worked getting... with Bonnie Burns, right. Captain Crinkle. Okay, fantastic. Nicole worked Bonnie, for, for years. Stifle it, Bonnie. Years. Okay, I get years. it. Is I want to ask one question before we move on. As far as I know, Nicole never even picked up a tennis racket. 
This is an obvious question, but as a good interviewer, Sometimes I feel like I have to. Sometimes after she did my eyes, she would jump over a net. Oh, maybe but that's, that's what the did it. only similarity between. Well, that's what I want to get Nicole to asking you. Bowen How Reed. much did she look like Martina Navratilova? Um, not really very much. Not at all. No. Um, she oh, was Bonnie's blonde. saying she's blonde. That narrows it down. Wow. Yeah, you, you taking a picture yeah. of somebody blonde in Florida. Yeah. I don't know why, how you could think it wasn't the makeup lady. Yeah. I, I, you They're the know only what? two I, blonde people I, on earth. I hope two things. Number one, I hope I'm never attacked. But number two, if I am attacked, I hope you're not the only witness. Right. Can you describe the lady? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was but, a but blonde guy. Your, Go was get him, officer. That was not celebrity account, encounter it, this no, week. No, it, it was a star-studded weekend for <laughs> so, me. What was the other one? Because I, uh, I am tired of Martina. Then I was, I, was, I was on my way home. And who do I bump into but Bobby Riggs? I, uh, <laughs> I sent a picture to Bonnie. She says, it's the, the makeup lady? It's, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. almost certain Bobby Riggs is dead. So, so um, uh, which is another reason why he wouldn't be the makeup lady. Yeah. <laughs> who to our acknowledge is alive. I said, no, don't you see the decay? Uh, who did you run into? Okay. All right. So I'm on <laughs> I'm, I was a, it was a goddamn zombie. Is it the makeup lady? So I'm on my way. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm boarding an airplane and I'm I'm walking past first class and going to where I belong, um, towards the bathroom in the back. <laughs> okay. And there's uh, John Voight and I turn famous out, actor John Voight. Famous actor John Voight. Now I'm standing up and he's sitting down and and uh, and I turn and I'm kind of uh, just because it's small. It's as if I'm hovering over him. Um, and therefore we sort of make uh, made. Eye contact. And you've seen him before. I have seen you've him. Met so him. I said, so he looked at me like we knew each other, and I and I said, uh, I, I said, hello, sir. I said, and I shook his hand. I said, uh, I'm Paula Poundstone, and I said, you know, and he said, oh, hi, as if maybe he didn't know me. He could be, and nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. For all we for, know. For all we know, he may have been on the airplane in an exhaustive search for Thomas Coyne. Um, but uh, he said, <laughs> I, find I, I that said unlikely. to him, I said, we met at LAX once before. Um, you uh, when. And I helped you order um, uh, from Burger King, and I said, I think it was your first time at Burger King. And he said, well, I don't think that's probably so. Uh, but <laughs> it, it must have been because Why? he because he knew nothing about the croissants on the menu. Oh, at like Burger the croissantwiches. Right, precisely. He didn't know about the, you know, the egg and cheese croissant. I had explained it all to him. Wow. Why would he pretend How, not uh, to know? Of course, he's an lot. actor. He is an actor. Maybe he was kind of coming on to me maybe, in his own way. He maybe, been, he or said, he, maybe he was researching a role wherein he was a man who did not know a lot about breakfast food. That's possible. He was playing On that. the other hand, he may have looked at me and said, hey, there's that hot chick Paula Poundstone. I'll pretend I don't know about the egg and cheese croissant and see if I can get her to explain it to me. That's uh, another plausible explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let me ask you this. Um, How much does one need to explain to even someone as clueless about breakfast foods as John Voight about a croissant sandwich? I mean, it seems like just the thing on the menu with its picture accompanying it tells you more or less everything you need to know. He just seemed like he didn't understand. So what I said. It's a croissant sandwich. Well, that's exactly what I said to him. I said, it's a croissant sandwich. Well, you Well, (laughs) how could he have forgotten me? I said, it's a goddamn croissant sandwich. (laughs) I said, was it deliverance? Is that what ruined you? Move it along. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get I was it. in line behind him. I said, you want to get the fuck out of the way, John Voight? I'm trying to get a croissant sandwich. And you don't even know what it is. He so. said, can I get an egg McMuffin? I said, no, this is Burger King. 
Okay. It's a croissant. It's a croissant. Croissant, as I my friend James Donacker used to say. I could wait for you to find your seat. It's croissant. Croissant. Perorations with oh, croissants. Oh, my God. No, eventually the pilot had to come walk me to my seat. I'm sure. Yeah. But you know why? Because, Did you see that, that French I, film, I, by the I, way? The, the... I was perorating. 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 Which is what I was just going to ask you. Did you see that French action drama, the croissant peroration? I did not oh, see good. that. The, the yeah, French connection. <laughs> wow, that's not even close. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> the France, France, Francais connection. Right, we are so over time, but I want to get are to we? our next thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's time for something be. we love here at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Is it the song. makeup lady? No. <laughs> And by the way, if the makeup lady is listening, we miss you, but you don't look anything like Martina Navratilova. Oh, boy. But you throw that V in. That's what screws me up on her name. You can't say it. I sorry. Yeah, no, I can't really. Navratilova. Yeah, no, Never I can't really. Never. I say it like a, like a two-year-old learning. Well, the thing is that like, you have to get out of it so quick to get into that R, Navratilova. Well, you and really then thought it, then, it through. Then it tricks you out at the end because you have to hit another V. Where? The. Well, I know the V sound. Yeah. I'm familiar with the V sound. I'm, I'm just saying, saying you, where you, was I'm it? I'm saying you have to launch yourself away from the V sound and then come oh, back to it moments later. Oh, never to low va. There's yeah. two of them. Yeah, I see what, what you're saying. saying. Yeah. Uh, we've overexamined that now. Now, we haven't overexamined theme songs in a while. You know, we have oh, this theme song theme contest. Songs, yeah. yeah. Here's one from uh, Michael Musselman from Ontario, Canada. I understand he talks about me first. Uh, so uh, let's oh, take boy. a listen. That's going to be good. Yeah. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quint sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. 
You know, I think Bonnie got the midnight lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Paula pounce on his greatest. Paula pounce on his best. She's got herself Doritos. She's got those infestations. Her balloon animals I'll beat the rest. Oh, Paula pounce on his genius. She gives advice to live your best. Double stuff your Oreos. Crank on up your headphones. Paula pounce on takes the rest. Nobody, 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 nobody listens to pounce on. Nobody, 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 nobody listens to pounce on. Nobody, 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 nobody. At the end, he did an impression of my cat at the very end of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so was Adam Felber's there as well, I guess. Is that what he said at the end? Underappreciated? I'm underappreciated. Oh! You know what what I want to say to Michael Musselman? Yeah. I would say I am underappreciated in your song. In that I am literally an afterthought, and once again, this thing that Paul has been encouraging of just adding me in as a he's there too. I mean, I do I do like being called underappreciated, but I find this whole train of thought kind of insane. I don't think you were an afterthought. I think you were the the backstory to the entire song. Really? Yeah. Because it really just sounded what like is a that whole called bunch of- in acting where you have you know where there's uh, you know it's backstory. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right, so yeah. you don't have to sing about me because it's already in your in your head. No, he's. I think he was feeling it the whole time. But boy, some of those lyrics were great. <laughs> uh, agree to disagree, but it was a great song. It was I, a great I really, song. I really did like it, and I enjoyed the increase in tempo. All right, our next one is from New York City, from Dusty Sanders, and it almost sounds like it could be from Paula Poundstone the musical. Oh, I love that. She's got the greatest advice. If someone would pay attention, there's a wealth of wisdom for your worry-free The insightful things that you'll say, an hour's delight is one click away. But nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. We know you've all got things to do, but take the time to listen to Paula. Because Paula listens to you wow wow yeah Dusty, that, that was, was nice. fantastic yeah I'm, that should be that should be playing all over New York it's City. It's terrific. I, it, it actually omits me entirely. Yeah. So, so I was upset about being an afterthought. Yeah. Now I'm thinking yeah. maybe an afterthought is better yeah. than a non. Yeah, but I again I think you were the backstory I of the do entire not that is song. The case. <laughs> whole time, the but that whole time. The Broadway number oh, this is really yeah. nice, and how appropriate it comes from NYC. Let's do one more. Um, I guess this one has a hip hop 
rap feel, which I love. So, and it's um, it's titled "Merry Dreams," and it's from Nick Puppy Dog Miller. Poundstone, Paula. Poundstone. Everybody in the club, get up and gather around. Paul about to give the best advice in town. Sometimes it seems dirty and sometimes it don't make sense. But just apply it to your life, you're gonna say a genius, Paula. <laughs> Poundstone. Risking their lives is all of Paula's guests. With knowledge and experience to prevent you making a mess of your life. So listen up, we need an audience. The song isn't long enough to talk about. Adam. Paula. <laughs> Poundstone. <laughs> Paula. Oh, wow. man. That was... Nick Puppy Dog Miller, thank you. Yeah, that was so great. Much. And, and, and uh, I don't want to make this all about me, but I, I definitely appreciate neither that. Neither did Nick. That he, yes. <laughs> I, I appreciate that he, he made it sound like he had to dub my voice in, uh, the, my name in afterwards. Yeah, well, that may actually have been an afterthought on that one, I have to say. Um, <laughs> that was nice. I want very old uh, school all, rap. All three of these submissions are very. very they, well, any one of those could be our new theme. Yeah, song. yeah. All of these are very high up on our uh, on our consideration. Yeah, yeah. So thank you to everyone who submitted themes. We are trying to get through all of them, and we will still be taking theme song submissions. So remember, you can send yours to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And as so many of our theme songs have said, I am here, and to help keep me here, the guy who is here every week is wait. Hold. He's always the first to go. The guy who's here every week is always the first This to is a tangled bit of text here. Okay, we've got our Maximum Fund pledge drive coming up, and I was just trying to read, read to us about it. It's happening March 18th through March 29th. If you pledge $5 or more a month, you'll have access to our bonus content. And uh, let me tell you, this content is so good. Right, Paula? So good. Like, you'll finally find out the names of my 14 cats, which I do not often reveal. That's true. We recorded a bonus episode that has all kinds of dirt on it uh, that you'll only get if you donate. Um, you'll hear the story of how Paula and I met. You'll only hear that insider info bonus content, and it starts at the $5 a month level, and you get access to it. It's almost nothing $5, $5 a, a month. month. Who couldn't afford that? When you pledge at least... $10 a month, and now we're talking some money, you get an exclusive Nobody Listens to Paula Pound Stone pin uh, that says, he's not here. Yes, and uh, that's a, a Thomas Coyne reference in our, in our dragnet, tis, as you call tis, it. Yes, 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 tis. Well, we pour our hearts it's into this show. It's sort of like getting a little junior detective badge. You know, it right. shows that you are part of the massive worldwide manhunt uh, for Which Thomas Coyne. Which it isn't, but, uh, you know, it's it's a massive something, that's for sure. Um, and, and if he wears that, if Thomas Coyne listens to the show and then gets that pin, he will essentially make himself completely unfindable. Because it says he's not here. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we pour our hearts into the show, and we give it away for free. This is your chance to give back to the show you love in whatever amount works for you, although I recommend a lot of money. Um, without your contributions, we can still do the show, but we might actually be coming to you live from a mattress on Miranda Street. And uh, speaking of the show, coming up next, we have a survival expert. Yes, we do. Dan Baird. And we'll have Tony Award winning actor Bill Irwin. I'm not kidding. That's all coming up. Oh, no. Bonnie's got a wrapper on her hand. Um, that's all coming up <laughs> after this. <laughs> Thank you.
thank you, house band Jason Shine. Now, a lot of you might find that uh, name familiar. It's because Jason was a talking guest on our show before he was our house band. He, yes. He's a teacher, and he uh, was here to talk about homework like about a month ago. Right? That's right. Six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, now, Jason is hosting a Young Performer Expo on May 18th in Burbank, California. You can visit www.youngperformerexpo.com for more information. Now... As listeners know, especially if they've been listening tonight, back in August, we had a little event here at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. A survival expert, Thomas Coyne, was supposed to be here to tell us how to survive a bear attack. And he did not, as far as we know, survive Miranda Street. That's right. He never made it. Yeah. So Never made it. We took a big risk on tonight's show by inviting another survival expert. Yeah. 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 And we were on edge. Uh, I really... I'm hoping he does make it. I'll feel awful if he doesn't make wait, it. Wait, 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 Paula. I think I hear footsteps. Wait a minute. Is that the door opening? Could it be? Adam, I think it is. It is, folks. Our first guest not only survived Miranda Street, but also survived trekking 230 miles across the Serengeti. Here to tell us how to survive natural disasters, prepare for any kind of emergency, and more is the head instructor of the California Survival School, Dan Baird. Dan's not only one of the world's leading backcountry primitive survival experts and guides, he's a certified medical wilderness first responder and a member slash trainer of law enforcement search and rescue teams. Please Welcome, Dan Baird. <laughs> Dan, welcome. Welcome to, to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And you made it. It was close. Uh, trying to park a tundra down here is yeah, yeah. really tough. So. I mean, Miranda Street, is that a tough environment that is, for even for a survivalist? That's a tough one, man. I got, yeah. I got the two-foot extended bed on that truck. So Oh, wow. So oh, it's really, a truck. Yeah, you can't really park it anywhere. I thought you had an actual tundra, tundra yeah. that right. you were trying to park. Yeah. Survivalists don't travel are, with their own tundra. Brought it down from well, Alaska. Could. That's because it's he's so comfortable in the tundra. So, Dan, I, we're, we're here to ask about emergency preparedness and stuff, but because um, our previous survivalists didn't show up, we just used Bonnie Burns and Tony Anita Hull looking on the internet for how to survive a bear attack. So I would rather, um, rather than just take their advice from Googling, could you tell us how to survive a bear attack? So when it comes to bear attacks, the, 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 the basics are these. Um, for the most part, animals want to stay away from you. Human beings in general, uh, they, they don't like being around us. So bear attacks are really in a limited instance. Uh, in the 145-year history of Yellowstone Park, there have been eight uh, deaths by bear attack. Wow. So How many survivals by yeah. bear attack have there been? Yeah, right. Maybe that's because all those other people knew what to do. Uh, last year, there were two bear uh, attack deaths in the United States. There were also two people killed by taking selfies. So, uh, yeah, with yeah. bears. With bears. Yeah. With bears. That's it, my point. Yeah. All right, so bears don't like selfies. We've got that on record. So, so run away or curl up in a ball. What yeah. would you do? You know, uh, when it comes to getting killed by things, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease kills 840-something thousand people a year. So... 425,000 yeah, times right more Right as the fast. bear is coming towards so, you. So in, a national, in a national park, your lunch is more likely to kill you probably than a, than a bear. Uh, but just general animal safety, when it, when it comes to going outdoors, there are animals, it's their place. Um, and, and just sticking to basics, like making sure that you are not going up and feeding bears, that you're not a, you know, there was a... Don't cook for them. <laughs> when I was a kid uh, up here in the Angeles uh, uh, forest, we used to camp as Boy Scouts, and there was an incident where a boy had strawberry shampoo in his head. Uh -huh. And uh, he did wake up with a bear licking his his head. Licking um, his head. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, wow. It must have been so frustrating for the bear because it smells like strawberries. But then when you lick it, like the bear was like. Ah. Did the bear go away when the kid woke up, or then yeah, eat the kid? It, it went away. So uh, in the lower forty-eight United States, we have 
uh, black bears for the most part. And for the most part, they act kind of like big raccoons. They like getting to trash in, mm-hmm. in public areas. Right. They're, they're getting to your trash cans. You clap and yell at them. They run away. Really? Clap um, and yell? Yeah. So acting big, uh, you know, presenting yourself uh, as something large and, uh, you know, just making noise. Well, this is Hollywood. Everybody yeah, does that. Exactly. So yeah. they, they stay out of Hollywood, I'm guessing, for the most part. Yeah. That's why oh. bears stay out of Hollywood. Exactly. So okay. stuff like that will, will keep you away from bears. Um, I was under the impression, Dan, that there was two kind of bears you might encounter and that the behavior that you would do for the black bear is entirely different than what you would do for the other bear. The brown bear or the grizzly. Right. With with grizzly bears, um, that those they tend to be a little more more aggressive, um, and uh, they do actually they, they will eat people. Uh-huh. Um, that's uh-huh. that's a rare occurrence uh, right. that it will happen. Uh, the the general advice again is to kind of curl up in a ball on your side, protect your neck. Your neck. Uh, protect yeah. your See, neck. I'd go for the genitals first. So they you they know, actually tell you to leave. Yeah. You know uh, what? You a curl up on your bear side. Is not interested in your genitals. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> You're not. But that doesn't mean the bear isn't. You, you, you curl up on your side, or another uh, other other advice given is to lay flat on your stomach and actually spread your legs. Um, oh, what? <laughs> and the reason they tell you to spread your legs is to to keep the bear from being able to flip you over and rake your your intestines. I am not spreading yeah. my legs for a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If I have to so go, you, you have spread to go. your legs so they can't flip you over. Yeah. I never even thought about that. So the reason that. to wow. be on your back, and if you have a backpack on, leave it on. They, they want, well, you know, if the bear's coming at you, it's going to start, you know, maybe clawing at you. And so you don't want to be able to rip out your insides or get in your, your vitals oh, in your yeah. neck. Yeah. And so no, I don't. covering your neck keeps it from scratching up your, your arteries, uh, and you don't yeah. want them in your stomach. So that's no. that's kind of what it basically boils down to. Is, that's you great know, advice. So yeah. Thank you. Grizzlies, we want to make sure that we are, um, you know, giving them distance. Not not feeding them, doing those sorts of things. I, I, that I, 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 I like you also bear. want to make sure your affairs are in order. Yeah. If that's, if well, that I think the first thing that I would have to do if I saw a bear is go, "What kind of bear are you?" <laughs> <laughs> a slightly colorblind ball of Yeah. What kind? That's because I wouldn't. I'm no. a grizzly, but there's yeah. some black bear in my family as well. <laughs> oh, now I don't. Now I've got to call Dan Bear because I yeah, don't know what to right, do. Exactly. In general, yeah. guys, my advice is that when it comes to wild animals, it's not your biggest threat. Your 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 bigger threats are things more trip. Tri- Tripping over your own feet is more dangerous. Yeah, well, that yeah, is absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to care after that yeah. because, you yeah. know, yeah. we're no, I have a little problem. But let's, let's get to uh, one of the uh, other reasons we had you here, emergency preparedness. Um, and thank you, by the way, for resolving the, the whole bear thing. Sure. What should I have in my home for an emergency? And where should I keep that stuff? So the basis really, the fundamentals come down to understanding what your physical priorities are and, and understanding how to kind of endure a situation that, that may come up and also how to exit it. So endurance and exiting are kind of your big things when it comes to survival. Um, and so far, as far as enduring stuff, we really have to worry about first physical stuff, you know, mm-hmm. in my so first aid situation. Yeah, your DVD right. player. Stay calm. Yeah. yeah. Actually, stay with, calm with, with is a big every deal. season of Columbo, right? Exactly. So, I'd have all my Columbos and a little batteries. DVD player. Yeah. Um, but what else besides uh, Colombo would you need? <laughs> so right off the bat, you, you just for any situation, it really comes down to some some simplistic planning, and uh, a lot of that's assessing what's a potential problem, and then doing some some basic things, uh, whether it's supplies or just having some information to help uh, you get you out of the situation. The of supplies, yeah. So when it comes down to things like uh, like earthquakes, earthquakes down here in Southern California, that's a big one we talk about a lot, right? Right. Since yeah. For the past. 30 years, 40 years, 100 years, yeah. and it's forever. Yeah. Uh, we're always talking about the big one. Yeah. And so when it comes down to that, it's just having some basic backup supplies, um, some things that help meet basic physical needs. Like water. Um, yeah, water is one of them. And people, a lot of times there's confusion. What supplies are most important? What do I do in the, right, the first order? And it really boils down to understanding how your physiology works. Okay. Give me an example. Like with the water, doesn't it get old? Don't you have to keep re- 
don't you have to trade out your water? Like if I made an emergency kit and I had it, um, wouldn't I, after a couple of months, have to put fresh water in there? Generally, no. Water's going to stay around for a while. Uh, the, the big things we're worried about uh, water would be chemical contamination or potentially things like bacteria, viruses, and things. That usually would come from like dead bodies or feces, uh, oh. you know, stuff like that well, getting into it. So, <laughs> so, so, so quick memo to you, Paula, clean yeah. out your garage. If, <laughs> yeah, really. If yeah. it's just sitting in a plastic container for 10 years, it's going to taste a little plasticky, but that's, that's you know, oh, really? in a life oh, or death so situation, that's going to be okay. So you don't store dead bodies in it, you're yeah. okay. Okay. So that's, uh, right. you know, well, that's seal, seal know. containers, that's okay. going to be okay. Your so food, I guess. Like food, food. Food's important. And really, this, there's something we call the rule of threes. And this is kind of your way of assessing and then that addressing the survival situation. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, it comes down to, you know, first thing, the, the biggest killers, the fastest killer, the fastest killers would be things that affect uh, your circulation system, bleeding or choking, those sorts of things. And so that's where a first aid kit comes in real handy. Uh-huh. Uh, beyond that, the next thing that's going to get you is actually temperature regulation. The majority of people killed in search and rescue situations where they find someone dead, the cause of death is listed as exposure. Getting too hot or or too cold, so something or too sexy. Yeah, maybe. I, if, you know what? <laughs> I have been so cold in this winter in Santa Monica. It, it's been a pretty cold winter yeah. here in California. I have a scarf on all the time. I don't think Dan is talking about that. Hey, though. you drive to those uh, the, the mountains, head through that pass. You yeah, know, out there, there's snow all over the place right now, and people yeah. are getting stuck. So yeah, just exactly. keep, keeping some basics in your car, something like water, sleeping bag. So a sleeping bag is a great thing to have in your car. A, you know, a little emergency kit, whether sure. it's at home, anywhere. You know. Being able to regulate temperatures is important. So um, whether you need to stay hot or cold, that's huge. Next uh-huh. on the list, you, you know, beyond that, you have about 30 hours you can go without sleep. Most people don't take that into account. Uh, but after 30 hours, you really go downhill in your ability to function. So we start micro-sleeping and crashing on the freeway. Wow. You know, after all-night parties, stuff like that. You know, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Know, you know, that reminds me. Say, okay, say you have this emergency supply stuff for an earthquake, but you're not home when the earthquake hits. Right, well, where you, you your gotta supplies take an Uber are. to get home right away. Yeah, so what do you do then? So when it comes to supplies, you know, it's it's what's on you is what's what's going to make the difference. And a so great place. So supposed to carry a gallon in of water LA, all the time. We all have cars, right? Yeah. You know, most of us have most cars at least. Cars, and yeah. so if you have a car, keep a backpack in the back with some with some basic supplies: water, a blanket, um, you know, some some granola bars, uh, whatever whatever is your thing that you you know you want to eat. Right. Um, a first aid kit, just some some basic fun. And all this stuff is in your truck right now. Yeah. I'm guessing. Uh, th- you know, that's well, my, it was in your truck yeah, when you parked. Yeah, when I parked. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my role is kind of 30 minutes and 30 bucks at Walmart will save your life. You, you know, if you don't like Walmart, choose another store. Uh, but, you know, that's you, you want to basically have some some things that don't take very long to pack. It's, uh-huh. It doesn't have to get really fancy. Yeah. Um, and there are things you can pick up on your next shopping trip. You get that in the back of your car and it goes a long ways in case you get stranded on a road trip, in case uh-huh. there's an earthquake here and uh, you just have to get out of your place real quick. I mean, it's, it's uh, there's well, let, let tons me give of you a hypothetical. If a big earthquake hit us right now, this whole room started to shake what was the first thing that you would do be so uh would you there, get under his table or in that door frame there yeah that's the big debate the, the big debate is whether or not you look for the you know the, the, the space around objects or you get underneath uh, solid objects what do you well do? if we have the besides big pushing paul out of the way what are you gonna do <laughs> if we have the big earthquake while we're recording right then adam you stand in that doorway and i'll get under this table and then we can tell the listeners which one works yeah that's a well, oh, that's yeah. a good one yeah <laughs> be good. that's good it's a deal in memorial <laughs> you, you'll one of us shows up in the memoriam reel yeah. the next week you'll, you'll, you'll come to the microphone and right. say don't get under the table <laughs> <laughs> this just in the table's collapsed <laughs>
<laughs> so, so, Dan, current, what would you do? The current advice at this point is for developed uh, places like the United States where building codes are a little more up to date, um, getting under and sheltering from things that small things that might fall like lampshades or, or things that are on the ceiling, that sort of stuff. That's a better move, um, just getting under stuff. Um, places where you're in less developed countries where there's not as much building code going on um, and whole buildings might collapse, your whole ceiling might uh, is more likely to come down, getting into spaces next to solid objects, um, you know, like the triangle mm-hmm. of life, they're calling it, um, right. is a better move. And so it really kind of depends on where you're at. Okay, so you'd um, go under the table if this happened if, right here. If here, table's probably a better move. Uh, doorways are not, uh, are not, There's that's something that's it's no longer, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that was kind of picked up off. I guess there's a famous uh, photo of an Adobe house structure that collapsed. It really had no modern building code and oh. the frame was good. Um, so and it, so everybody said, yeah, that. Oh, wow. Huh. Doorways don't necessarily have more uh, structural integrity than the other part of your building in a modern uh, really? place. So, so it's just a myth. Yeah. Because so I've gotten in door frame. It was one picture of a door frame that stayed up when the rest of the house yeah. went down. So uh, for people who saw the Buster Keaton movie where the house falls, right. does everybody think if the house is falling, go sit near the window? <laughs> oh, yeah, because then you'd survive because the window would collapse because right the w- over Remember you. the window went right over yeah. him. I don't remember it- that specifically, but I know comedy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, Do you ever. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dan, what situations are you prepared to survive? Do you have a list? Do I have a list? Like, um, is, nu- is nuclear war going to be like ooh. a breeze for you? No, I, I'm not. I don't fit into the bunker hugger category where I'm, I'm, uh, you know, doomsday prepper. And it. I just oh, I so think, you don't have like a, a shelter. Yeah, reasonable precautions I think are the best way to go. So I, How do you I think have about reasonable reason, precautions reasonable, for reasonable nuclear possibilities. Warfare. I mean, I mean, what are you really going to do in a nuclear attack? Yeah, I, mean, I totally a, agree with you. So I, I don't want to be around after the nuclear apocalypse yeah. anyway because TV is going to be terrible. Yeah. So there, there are. <laughs> So there are some basic things that they do. I mean, you can you can just go to the the, the basic uh, you know the, the FEMA website, and they have some basic information on there that, for the most part, is fairly uh, sound and fundamental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, if on I, FEMA, I think they say take five um, minutes and do careful. some research. You know, they, FEMA says be yeah. careful. Number yeah. one, be careful. It's a good it's good advice. Yeah, yeah. choose choose that's some where tax uh, dollars are going. Choose some you know good sources, and, and, and that's the thing with with news sources like bear. We've hit bear attacks. We've hit all kinds of things today. Uh, there's lots of information out there. My advice, if you're going to do research for stuff uh you know try to try to look at the top you know 10 results look at that come the likely up. ones right you know, don't don't just uh don't just like take the first source of information you come out yeah. and trust that you want to you want right. to look at a bunch of them because you know that's how the stand in the doorway yeah. thing happens a lot right. of articles regurgitate something that the last article wrote and that's how things just keep getting pushed on Myths so get pushed on you want to you yeah. want to look at you know reputable sources and then and choose a couple of them and and between that you'll be able to come and, out and with stick with the likely scenarios so yeah. like you're not prepared for a zombie attack well, you know, maybe. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to see how it starts. So uh, now you walked through the whole Serengeti. Yeah. I, 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 I have to hit this. How, how was that? It was intense. It was a project for National Geographic where they wanted to see if a group of human beings could take a month uh, crossing a couple hundred miles of Serengeti with just the clothes on the back for the most part. And we, uh, that's what we did. So, so, you had, so what did you do for food? Uh, we had some gifted dried meat and honey from a tribe called the Hadza, some of the last hunter-gatherers on Earth. And they're, they're an awesome people. We go back and spend time with them every year with our school. Oh, wow. And uh, take people out to experience that sort of lifestyle. It's disappearing quick. They're super impacted. A lot All the tribes around the world are. Uh, but they gifted us some dried meat and honey. And as soon as we got onto, onto the, the trek, uh, we were just basically told, that's it, guys. Sorry. National park rules were that we couldn't touch anything uh, in the park but uh, dead wood and water. And so that was... 
was enough was water. It. There was there was water. It was you know it was stuff we were finding in like zebra and wildebeest mud wallows where everything's you know crapping and dying and. But you drank that water you anyway. Drank the that's that's zebra what we drank. Wildebeest yeah. restroom water. Yes, that's what we drank. Uh, wow. There there are things you do to it to mitigate your risk uh, factors. Yeah, like this let is your friend try it first. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but you need water, right? You can't survive without water very the, long the at all. The rules with water, guys, if, if you're going to dive dehydration in a couple hours, you're, you know, you're really on that edge there. Uh, drink the water. Because if anything's going to get you sick, most waterborne pathogens have a, uh, a, a gestation period. They're going to take days or weeks to build up to the point where they make you sick. So Why not it, just have a wildebeest? Pee right in your goddamn that's, mouth that's, if you're going to do that. You can't drink pee, unlike certain uh, celebrity individuals that have made that uh, popular notion. You can't drink pee. Not anybody's pee. No, not anybody's pee. Oh. Um, okay. The high concentration of salts and things that are in it, uh, basically your, your body can't extract the, the water, and it oh. will kick your body into high gear trying to flush it out, so it will search for more water, and it will dehydrate you. Oh. So oh, that's going to It will always net dehydrate you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it wasn't a survival move. Um, at least it wasn't a good one. Uh, so so that that's uh that's when it comes to water uh there there are some fundamental things you can do if if you have no choice drink the water if it's a fresh source of water you never drink seawater same thing as pee you can't can't process right. it right seawater is undrinkable it, if you it's have not potable no it's not not potable water if you have water that's fresh um, even if it you think it might be dirty um, basic things like boiling it make a big difference that's what we did we we uh, boiled it when we were out there in the Serengeti with what. Uh, there's different ways to do it. Uh, no, one of my, you, you one of my favorite on your back, right? One of my we we had some basic supplies. We did have a metal pot, okay. uh, so that's one thing. But we did it on the fire and we tossed stuff in. But even if we without a metal pot, what I would have done is I would have uh, coal burned out a bowl from a, a piece of wood. And what that basically involves is sticking a bunch of uh, charcoal pieces on top of a piece of wood and blowing on it until it catches on fire, and then moving the coals off and scraping it and burning and scraping. After a couple hours, you can get a nice sized bowl and a piece of uh, driftwood. Um, you know what? I would be so thirsty <laughs> by the time I did all that work. Yeah. That's well, you two have hours roughly is what three it takes days. me to make a, a, a bolognese. You have I mean, roughly three days before, you know, in a normal circumstance, before water really starts to incapacitate you. Three it, days. As a general rule. Okay. It can happen quicker, but generally if it's starting to mess with you sooner, it's pushing into temperature regulation stuff where you're you're not sweaty and you're going to, you know, overheat, that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. so generally as a, uh, as a rule, if you're just sitting around, you got three days without water. And so, you know, if you have time to... to to you know, sanitize the water. You're going right. to do that. So making a container and dropping hot rocks into it, uh, you can boil primitively. So we heat up rocks in a fire and uh, drop them oh. into a container. And even if your container isn't something you put on the fire, literally you can, making you stone soup. It. Yeah, stone soup exactly. All right, that's a great idea. Yeah, so huh. it doesn't sound tasty. But, you know, if you're walking... The yeah, so it was like drinking uh, chocolate milk, uh, you know, as far as color look. Uh, <laughs> oh. you know, you're drinking stuff, you know, okay. it's, but it's, it's survival. Well, it's doable. Not sure I needed that so. image to survive. Um, okay, <laughs> uh, I want to I wanna ask you one more thing. Uh, there, there's a ton of disinformation, as you got out, yeah. out there. What are the biggest misconceptions about survival? So drinking the pee is a big one, I think. Uh, you know, we... <laughs> that is big. We... Yeah. <laughs> We have. Yeah, I've got a. I've got a garage well, then, full of bottles. I got. Well, then hold on. There. Never mind. Let me get you a soda. <laughs> survival media has pushed uh, us into this realm where it's really in the public conscious, but at the same time, survival shows tend to focus on shock value and interpersonal dynamics. And so, when you have a bunch of shock value stuff going on, people being naked or people drinking pee or sleeping in dead animals, that that attracts attention, it makes people want to watch, but it oftentimes invites bad information. Um, and you wouldn't want to sleep in a dead animal, yeah, would you? Because I mean, another we've seen animal it on a would bunch come of, over, right? We've wow. seen it on a bunch of shows. Oh, you know, I movies, I point Revenant, out that, like uh, Luke Skywalker would have died without yeah, well, that. No, see the ton. Well, that's the thing is like so we have a there was there was an old Plains Indian story about uh, you know 
Native Americans who during some late spring blizzards would uh, kill a buffalo and crawl into it. That one works because the buffalo has a super thick insulated like fur hide. Okay. And then he has a big wall of fat inside. And so, so you, killed a, you killed a buffalo. Yeah, exactly. So a tauntaun is actually more realistic than what happened in like DiCaprio's movie where he climbs into a dead horse or Bear Grylls <laughs> climb into a camel because <laughs> no, those are those uh, are Bear thin Grylls walled animals. climbed into a Motel 6, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, that too. That, it, it's, <laughs> that was after the camel though. <laughs> And so things like that, when you climb into a thin-walled animal like that, you know, a horse or something that doesn't have an insulative layer really, and it's cold and you're wet, you know, that's inviting hypothermia and you're going to die. A tauntaun, you know, that's a, that's a that is a winter-adapted animal. It had a thick fur coat. <laughs> I love the. Uh, so I, I would, yeah. So like realistically, that's more realistic that. than the horse. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's the drawback? Uh, uh, there's no such thing. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's a, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's 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 absolutely true. Hypothetically yeah. speaking, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. Well, thank you, Dan Baird, for for one for indulging my Empire Strikes Back reference, and also for preparing us to prepare for an emergency. Paula, what advice can you give our listeners about staying alive? Ready? Uh, yeah. I'm re- going to talk? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, hey, house band Jason Shine, uh, can I have a little hooter music for background here? Perfect. Perfect. You should have some survival stuff in your car that you could use overnight to avoid dying of exposure. For example, I have cloth bags and an audio version of The God Delusion. You can't drink pee, Mr. President. You can't crawl into just any dead animal either. It has to be an animal with a thick wall and insulation. Most importantly, it can't be a fantasy animal. If you find yourself in a tauntaun, you're high. (laughs) For a black bear, you make noise and act big, like to be or not to be. But for a grizzly bear, you protect the front of your body so it doesn't rip out your gizzards and your neck so it doesn't slice your jugular. If you happen to survive, you're going to want to change your pants soon. (laughs) Dan Baird is the head instructor of California Survival School. You can visit the school at casurvival.com. Thank you so much for being on our show, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. All right. And uh, as Dan begins to hop into his truck, I want to let everybody know that he provided us a link. If you go to www.casurvival.com slash Paula. And That's that will, easy. Yes, that'll give our <laughs> listeners a special 50% off attending a live California Survival School survival training. Oh, that sounds course, great. It's, so yeah. you can look it up on your laptop while you're inside uh, a, a buffalo. Wait, there's more. While you're in that buffalo, Dan has also decided to throw in a free 15-minute disaster preparedness personal phone consultation to the first 50 guests to email via form that you will find at casurvival.com slash Paula. That's so easy. When we come back, Paula and auditioning go together like grape jelly and Doritos. Can veteran actor Bill Irwin help? Coming up next on an exciting installment of Outside the Actors Studio. The cat of the week is Peekaboo from Kamakura, Japan. Thanks, house band Jason Shine. Now, Paula, I'm guessing you aren't trekking across the Serengeti anytime soon? Not today. I didn't think so, but I'm sure you're going to be out there somewhere helping people survive through laughter. 
Well, Adam, yes. I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio on March 29th at the Southern Theater and in Clearwater, Florida on March 23rd at the Capitol Theater. Oh, Clearwater. How nice. Now, all of your tour dates are available, I am told, at paulapoundstone.com. And that's also where you can get Paula's books, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, and There's Nothing in This Book That I Meant to Say, as well as her performance CDs. These are a lot of things, Paula Poundstone, that you can get. You know, Adam, I want to tell you about one more thing you can get. What's at that, Paula? PaulaPoundstone.com. <laughs> We're so get, bad at reading stuff. <laughs> you can get my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. And it's not a tri-polyblend because there is no such thing. But, it's a tri-polyblend, which is what no, makes it remarkably no, soft. I've talked to Garmin people. We've had one on this show who let a us know Garmin that it's a person? Tri- yeah, um, yeah the, the, the CEO of our network, Jesse Thorne. He's uh, not the, a Garmin person. Well, he does designing and stuff. He's a so designer. What? what does he know about a tri-poly blend? Well, he knows blend. that it's called a tri-blend. No, he, he's jealous. Jealous. Jesse's jealous <laughs> of you. Jesse Thorne is jealous. Uh, all right, anyway. I a, because I have a shirt that is remarkably soft. Let me tell you something. I sell them at my shows. Uh, in fact, I will be selling them in Columbus, Ohio, March 29th at the Southern Theater. Yes. And in Clearwater, Florida on March 23rd at the yeah. Capitol Theater. Yeah, yes, you will. Yeah, I and will. And they will be shirts, and they will be remarkably soft. Well, what I tell people- But I want to leave it at that. No, what I tell people is, um, although it would be nice if they bought one, they don't have to buy it, but I say to them, do touch it, because you will remark. And they do. Yeah, they do. All right. As long as we don't talk about the material, we're fine, Paula. Um, Hey, you know what else is a thing? Subscribing to our podcast is a thing. And if you subscribe to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, it's completely free. And when you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. Now, a lot of people hear the word subscribe. Oh, they panic. And they panic. They, they think, think it's going to mean... They think good housekeeping. Yeah, and, and I'm going to get junk magazine mail. Magazine that right. comes every week, and they right. keep rem- trying to remember to cancel it, and they forget. And- so if any of you out there come up with a better word for subscribe, the entire podcasting industry would thank you. Because really what happens is you click a button that says subscribe, and you get that podcast every week. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. 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 You know what they could put instead of subscribe? They could put get this on a regular basis for free. Right. But from a design standpoint on the internet, that would be, that's a mouthful for a button. Yeah. It's almost a peroration. Yes. It's almost a peroration. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we hung on to that word for at least half a show. Yeah. All right. I've expanded my vocabulary, Adam. I, I can barely fit in this room right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, Paula, I know you're really excited about this because we have invented a new segment on this show. Yes. We've actually done it once before, but now we have a name for it. We have a name for it. So please welcome our newest segment, Outside the Actor's Studio. Every actor is desperate to get on this segment. We had a line outside. And I beat them off with a stick. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was a line of people doing it. It was like in Mary Poppins when all the kind of when all the gruesome looking nannies were blown away, and I mean the real Mary Poppins, not the uh, not the remake. Uh, right. All the gruesome nannies were blown away, and there, the only one left when they opened the door was Mary Poppins. Well, I'm glad we took that little trip. Um, so, <laughs> yes, this is just like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you on. not remembered that scene until I described it? Uh, yes, I had not remembered that scene yeah, until you yeah, described yeah. it, and now so I'm it was nice, stuck with it. Nice that you got to remember that. Yeah. 
we're just going to sit around and sooner or later I'm going to point to the piece of paper where it says that you're, for one of the first times, going to introduce or oh, semi-introduce gonna, our oh, guest. I'm so not used to introducing. I'm sorry. You're so not used to looking Let at that piece of paper. Let me tell you what I loved about Mary Poppins. Um, all right. So I am so excited, Adam, to have my friend Bill Irwin here with us tonight. I first saw Bill. Uh, let's see. The first time I saw Bill Irwin, he was with the Pickle Family Circus in San Francisco. Wow. Then I saw him uh, in at the Lincoln Center in New York. He was uh, playing the character Lucky in Waiting for Godot. Oh, with, I played uh, Lucky in a workshop once. With This is a different production. Adam. I think so. <laughs> this was with uh, Robin Williams, Steve Martin, and F. Murray Abram. Yeah, they and, weren't there. But I got to tell you, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no. I can, e- even in death, I can hear Robin Williams smacking his head right now going, damn it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I got to tell you, I mean, obviously it was a uh, incredibly star-spangled cast, and Bill Irwin absolutely stole the show. He was fantastic in the role of Lucky, did some of the most amazing physical stuff I've ever seen in my life, in addition to the fact that he looked very uncomfortable with a leash on. Um, yeah, there's a leash involved in that role. But I forgot to tell you this one thing, which is that uh, when my kids were little, uh, I, I found um, audio version of uh, uh, the Hardy Boys, uh, uh, you know, audiobook. Yeah. And uh, th- uh, lo and behold, the reader was Bill Irwin, and he does wow. it perfectly. Just the right amount of camp without, you know, making fun. I mean, it is perfectly. That sounds like a very narrow uh, thread, to, it, needle to thread it's, there. It's, it's a balance beam. He, you know, he, <laughs> you know, because the boys made fun of their overweight friend Chet, but in a playful way that didn't make Chet feel bad. And, I feel uh, like they were probably fat shaming Chet. <laughs> No, Chet didn't seem to mind. I at think all. if you were to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is my point. That Bill Irwin read it, and you didn't feel bad for Chet at all. What he I was love is that lovable... even when we have a guest as 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 famous and accomplished as Bill Irwin, he's not going to get a word in tonight, is he? No, like, that's we're, not true. We're that's taking not, forever that's to introduce not true him. At all. <laughs> I, I've got the opportunity to introduce yeah. him, and I just want to make sure. Yeah, and I, I've got uh, some. I've got some extensive credits here. Well, if he didn't have so many credits, we would have finished the introduction. <laughs> I know, one but here I go. Whose fault is that? I'm going to whip Bill through Irwin's this. Fault. Bill Irwin won a Tony Award for his portrayal of George in Edward Albee's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. So a, many credits. In addition to his success on stage, Bill has appeared in over 20 films, including My Blue Heaven, Scenes from a Mall, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, A Midsummer Night's Dream, The Laramie Project, and Lady in the Water. I didn't know you were in Lady in the Water. I didn't either. Wow. Very briefly. Uh, Yeah. That's that's an M. Night Shyamalan vehicle. He's way under the water. He's a lily pad. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Now, we talked about M. Night recently because we reviewed Unbreakable a few weeks ago, so that's a little... Uh, uh, Would you... Okay. His work also spans four decades of television with roles on Northern Exposure, Monday Mornings, CSI Crime Scene Investigation... CSI Crime Scene Investigation? I think that's a little redundant. And can be seen on FX's Legion as Carrie Loudermilk. That's right. Now, right nowadays. Now, please welcome everyone, Bill Irwin. Oh, Lord. Lord have mercy. Thank welcome, you. Bill. And that's all the time we have tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank our guests, Bill Irwin and Dan Baird. Bill, be honest. Is this the best <laughs> retrospective of your career? 
that you've ever experienced? My life is flashing before me. Yeah. And it's... You had probably forgotten some of these about roles. Half, about and half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yet we, when he said that he'd been in 20 films and then he listed seven, I thought for sure you were going to go through all of them. I, I, you know, I, I did what was on. Some of us look at the page in front of us. Well. Bill, welcome. Now, thank you. Now, as you might know, uh, Paul is terrible at auditioning. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, well, we've covered it on this show, so you haven't been listening. One of the ways heard. that you could know—no, <laughs> you don't have to, Bill. One of the ways. <laughs> one of the ways that you could know that I'm not good at auditioning, Bill, is name one film I've been in. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we could list Paula's film credits every week. Yeah, and it pretty much. Take up and any it wouldn't take up any show. time at all. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 part of it is that she gets in the room, and we've talked this over. Um, and she just starts talking about things that are not involved with the script. I have a problem with peroration, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and so what we're trying to do is we're trying Part to make... Part of the reason it... I talk about things that aren't about the script is in my nervousness, what I try to do... It's like when you skydive, a mistake that people make is sort of pawing at the air trying to push the ground away. That's not a good way to do it. And that's sort of what I do, uh, is I try to uh, deflect the moment when we actually begin the audition. It's the actor's great tribulation. Oh, yeah, does every actor do that? Yeah, painful. So you you have so you, but clearly you have gotten through several auditions and gotten the part. I occasionally land the part. Yeah, Yeah. so why do you think that is? No, why do you land the part? What do you do about (laughs) nerves? What do you... Well, it helps to have been on the other side of the table. That was a big breakthrough for me. When I was conducting the audition and doing the casting, I realized, oh, that's what this is about. Is oh, to see. so what did you cast? I'm a director, Paula. I didn't realize you were For what are you directing then? Oh, I've directed things in New York and uh, uh-huh. a, a play called, a Moliere play called Scapan that I adapted with another guy. And we have our own version and we have done it. Many times. So many auditions. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it's, it's the actor's great tribulation. It's not what you want to do, especially as you get older and the auditioners get younger. Right. So you've yeah. got some young pup there. Yeah. Judging you. Judging you. <laughs> telling you to go more quickly. But what do you do about the nerves? Like, Paula obviously does the wrong thing about the nerves. What do you do about the nerves? I wear socks that don't match. And wow. then I uh-huh. know something that they don't know. Really? Huh. Yeah. No, any little edge like that. So you walk wow. in, you realize, I'm here, they need me. And <laughs> they don't know it yet. And you fantastic. know something that they don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I do sometimes, Bill, is make a balloon animal during the audition. <laughs> well, that's a mistake, partly because that has nothing to do with most roles, unless you're auditioning for the role as a... Famous Scoop, balloon animal. the clown. Yeah. Uh, no, and and uh, also because you don't, in point of fact, make balloon animals. I do. Bill, what was the name of that play you said you directed? Scapan. Scapan. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm making this right now. That's what you're making? Yeah. Do, well, how does that go in the audition when you make a balloon animal? Are, are they waiting for it, it to relate to the play they're casting? Um, no, a lot of times, it, to be honest, it just seems to sort of put them off. Yeah, well, I would see why. <laughs> oh, look at that. You, you are making a shape that is way this, more sophisticated than any balloon animal atom, you have done to date. This atom is Scapan. That Scapan? Yeah. Is that a specific part of Scapan? I don't know. Is it Bill? <laughs> Bill is Bill is cringing because Paula, you seem to. I mean, you've made little... balloon animals that look vaguely. Huh? Wait, wait a that minute. Is oh, wait a minute. There you go. That went from doo doo to something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to say, Paula, until you get better at this. That, Bill, that went from doo-doo to something is probably the best I can hope for as a response from a casting director. No, no. That went from doo-doo to something. Paula, you have to believe. You have to know that you're who they want. And need. They don't know it yet. That really helps, having that attitude. I think it does. Okay. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't have that attitude with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine having that attitude with anyone that I'm who they need and want. Yeah. No, I can't. That's it's so not a part of who I am. They, um, they did, think. They think they know what they want, but yeah. they don't until you yeah. show it to them. It's, uh-huh. it's, this attitude sounds like, like a, a winning attitude to me. So it's sort of a sales thing, would you say? Yeah, it works about 12% of the time. But 12% <laughs> is just 12% better than Paula's done at yeah, auditions. Yeah, I think so. So that's... Um, that's... Well, now, let me ask you something. Have you ever auditioned for something where you felt that you nailed it? Just, that's it. Actually, one time. One time, I didn't have any idea why they wanted to see me for this play. It was Edward Albee's great, great play, The Goat. Uh-huh. And it was playing on Broadway, and they were looking for a second cast. And I think I thought they were, had sent this to me by mistake. So I, I was reading for Edward Albee uh-huh. and a bunch of producers, wow. and I was so sure that this was a mistake that I totally relaxed. You know, I was, uh, I was on a couch. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. I was on a couch on the stage, which later we did the play on. But uh, when they said, oh, Bill, could you just hold? We have a little technical difficulty. I, if I really felt I might get the part, I would have sat on the f- forward edge of that couch. Yeah, right. But I lay back. I think you just yeah. relaxed. Yeah. Stretched yeah. out on the couch. Looked up at the lights of the theater, and uh, I found a relaxation that is almost impossible to find in an audition. Oh, that's, I can't even imagine. No. I can't imagine you finding relaxation anywhere. Oh, ever? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. So, so, um, wow. So, and so you thought you got that, and I did, and you did. Oh, yeah. I love Fantastic. That. Yeah. Now, how physical do you get in an audition? Because you have that that extra tool in your back pocket in that you're just physically gifted when it comes to performance. So, Yeah, but sometimes uh, I'm afraid, rightly or wrongly, I'm afraid that they're thinking, oh no, he's not going to do mime, is he? He's, he's going to do clown stuff. Yeah, right. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the opposite is, wait till he, wait till you see his physical gifts, and then you're <laughs> yeah. dead. Oh, yeah. Right. So, so you're a little afraid of clown shaming, is that correct? I am, Paula. I am. <laughs> and here's the actor's lifeline what do i want what does the character want oh what does the it's character so want? what you want is the part usually yeah, yeah I was right i want, I want him to say the stop out of the room <laughs> stop we don't need to yeah. see anybody else right yeah. anything short of that is so, yeah your, your motivation yeah. is clear so but yeah. what does character want what does the character want yeah do you just ever go back out into the waiting room where um of other actors are nervously looking at the sides and and waiting and just go okay everybody go home <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. It's over. Thanks for coming. Uh, I think they've seen what they need to see. Go ahead. I've seen other actors do that. But really? People who have that kind of comic persona, but no, yeah, I, I no, haven't done yeah, that. No. 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 Yeah. I, I one time was at a physical therapist, and um, I just, I don't know. I, I, I walked, uh, so I finished my physical therapy session, and I walked back out into the waiting room, and there's lots and lots, of course, of elderly people. Um, and I went out, and I stepped out of the door, and I went, I'm cured! <laughs> <laughs> How'd it go Not over? even one fucking smile! Really? Oh, no. Oh, no. A couple of people glowered at me, and most people acted like I wasn't even there. 
um, which is usually the response that I get from the casting director as <laughs> <Right>. well. <laughs> and, and what Paula just did right there is the kind of amusing story you might receive if she was auditioning for a part in a play you were directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I used that in my audition for The Goat. <laughs> and we did all they know smile through it? No, Edward Albee grimaced at me. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he glowered. Now, um, now, now, Bill, we had a casting director on this show a couple months ago, and uh-oh. Paula, and, and she gave us some good tips. <laughs> she wants to know if you're available. Um, That's what and, I was hoping to hear. And, and Paula actually wrote some sides for, for and, and the casting director and her uh, read the scene, and then she gave her some tips. And we had such a good time with that that we thought that what we would do tonight is Paula's written another scene in, in what is becoming an epic piece of work. And I'm going to read the stage directions, and, and you and Paula are going to read it, and then maybe you can give her some advice, and then maybe do it again, and we'll see all the Fantastic. improvements. Oh, I'm so honored. This, yeah. this is the, Okay, great. So, so Paula, you know, this is I the- I know what you're going to be thinking the whole time you're reading this. This is Albie all over again. <laughs> it's a little punchier than I'll be. I, I see. Paula, do you want do you want to set anything up? I mean, this is a this is a, the next scene, I suppose. In the the epic, it's another scene. It's another scene. It's the another epic of this scene. woman, Marta, and the uh, person she helped win the governorship or something. Yeah, yeah. She okay. did. She helped someone mm. win the governorship. Okay. So um, I'll just start reading. Are, are you guys ready? I'm ready. As ready as I'll ever are be. Are you the casting director now? Uh, no, I, I, you're, you're, I'm going to be reading the stage direction. You're oh. going to be the casting director, uh, oh, Bill. And, wow. Adam, and you're going to be Adam's going to read the uh, stage direction. Right, uh, so so you're weirdly in the role of casting director and in the role of Officer Ashley. Yeah. It's um, the better part. Is that right, Paula? The, yeah. You wrote Officer yeah. Ashley yeah. for Bill. That's correct. There's, for there's Bill. some really great clown stuff in there, <laughs> which, which really works uh, on audio. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Welcome, uh, Paula Poundstone, next. Uh, yeah, Paul Poundstone. All right, we have Thank a seat you. for you here, Paula. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. I was sent right. here by my agent, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that small talk. Here we go. Um, Perhaps you know my manager, Captain Crinkle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know her, but we do hear her there in the corner. <laughs> All right, so (laughs) let's start the scene. Marta is a strong woman. She suffers no fools. She doesn't feel she needs a man. But when love comes knocking, she can't help peeking through the blinds. She's smart, a little bit quirky, and really into pugs. She has worked on political campaigns for 30 years and is beginning to suspect that sexism has played some role in not having climbed higher on the career ladder. Marta crouches in the midst of her criminally ransacked apartment. She's reaching beneath the couch for her traumatized pug, Stanton. There's lots of damage. Stanton's kibble is strewn everywhere, and his ceramic paw print bowl is in pieces. A few Brent Fishman for Governor posters are torn from the wall or still hanging but defaced. Do you have any questions, Paula? Um, no, I think... Uh, you see, you put them uh, at ease. Yeah. That's, that's oh, part that of was really good, yeah. Bill. Yeah, yeah. you uh, made her relax. No. Uh-huh. Uh, you need me. You just don't know it yet. Okay, so here's Marta. No. <laughs> okay, here's Marta. Um, it's okay, Stanton. It's okay. Come on, buddy. There's a knock on the door. Marta p- pushes to a stand and opens the door to find Officer Ashley, a uniformed male police officer with a knack for clown work. He's strictly dragnet in demeanor. Hello, thanks for coming. I'm Officer Ashley, and you are? Marta Yost. And you are the resident? I'm the occupant, the victim, I guess. Please come in, Officer Ashley. Thank you. I'm sorry for your trouble, ma'am. I did notice, however, that you opened the door when I knocked. Yes, I did that so that you could come in. Ma'am, you didn't ask for identification. You left yourself vulnerable for further victimization. In order to take a bite out of crime, you need to verify the identity of anyone requesting entry to your home. 
Did you just quote McGruff to me? Marta turns towards the couch, looking for Stanton. Officer Ashley follows her gaze, thinking it's a signal. Suddenly, Officer Ashley pulls his gun. Come out with your hands raised. What the fuck are you doing? Ma'am, please watch your language and stand back while I apprehend the suspect that's under the couch. Wait, wait, no! Does he have a weapon? Ah, suspect under the couch. You have a, are you armed? Has he coerced you, ma'am, or threatened you? He's a dog! Very few men are totally honorable, ma'am. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sakes, my pug is under the couch. He was scared by the robber. I see, ma'am. I'm going to have to ask you again to watch your language. <laughs> Officer Ashley, you were about to shoot my dog. I, I was just fucking robbed. Language. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake. Language, sakes. language, man. Marta struggles to get control of her emotions as she reaches deep under the couch to pull out her dog. If Americans spent as much time worrying about poverty as they do about the word fuck, we'd get somewhere. I see the perpetrator has left these soft on crime governor posters all over, perhaps as a statement, ma'am. Brent Fishman is not soft on crime. He believes in attacking the root causes of crime. Most theft is committed by drug addicts, driven to feed their addiction. You should know that, Officer Ashley. We need more rehabs, not more jails. Uh, candidly, ma'am, now that you are a victim of theft and uh, destruction of property, wouldn't you like to see the perpetrator punished? Candidly? Yes, ma'am, candidly. Candidly? Part of me would like to beat the fuck out of the guy. But I'm pleased and proud to say it's a small part of me, and it's outvoted by the bigger part of me. Ma'am, the language. Stanton the pug barks, and Marta pulls him out from under the couch. Here you go, big guy. She pulls out the dog and is overwhelmed with relief. You're okay. You're okay. We're okay, Stanton. Ma'am, it appears that you and your canine are safe. I will now photograph the scene. Please hold up your dog. Feel free to smile. <laughs> Stanton growls, and we fade out. Now, I'll tell what? you your first mistake. <laughs> Let me let me just point out that you wrote a much better role for the other guy. Yeah, you yeah. were brilliant. Now, now Bill, That's you get why. the part. Congratulations. And, you know, That's what I came away when with. When you first I, came in here, I didn't know that I needed you. My socks now, don't match, I and I want to play you. Officer Ashley. It is a great part. It's a great part. You were fantastic, and what's sad that the listeners couldn't see is the physicalization. <laughs> oh my lord. This guy did some mime you would not fucking believe. But you know, appropriate to the character of a policeman. It's as yeah. if a black bear were here, I got big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got big. And then when it when it appeared that I was a grizzly bear, he laid flat with his with his gizzards covered. Yeah, and um, and, and his legs uh, uh, athwart, uh open. Open. His open. legs open. Yes. Um, Don't flip me. You know, in no. uh, <laughs> Don't flip me. in waiting for Godot, it was so long ago. I, I probably am going to screw this up. But there was a, a part where there's a stack of tires, a right. stack of tires, like right. a high stack, right? How, like a stack how, of tires. How, you're saying? How tall do you think that stack was? As tall as me. To, as tall as Bill. Right. As the character Lucky. <laughs> at one point, did someone hit you? Is that what it was? I think Robin Williams hit me. Yeah. yeah. Or, fucker. Or, <laughs> he, uh, uh, the character uh, that Robin was playing yes. hits uh, the Lucky character, and Lucky flies up and lands head first in that stack of tires. Oh, we wow. did I've never do seen that. anything like that. You saw one of the nights where that happened. I yeah. did. Oh, it didn't happen every night? You know who was sitting in front of me was Catherine Hepburn. <gasps> yeah. Oh, you mean Martina Navratilova. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was the makeup lady. It was the makeup lady. <laughs> 
Well, that was the, really Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, oh, she that was, was the onus of with... that production because of Steve, Robin, Mike Nichols directed. There wow. were every was night was yeah, yeah it was right, unbelievable. Right. And you know, she kept turning around, glaring at me because I was making balloon animals, <laughs> and uh, I now, said, "No, look, this is Bill Irwin." I showed her. I want to re-rack this a little bit so we can get to actual advice for yes, the edition. Yes, okay, thank you. Boy, you are so good at keeping things on course. Okay, so Bill, how did Paula do? What advice might you have to? get her the part. You know where I really got pulled into Paula's character was when she spoke to her dog at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So if we started again, what if that's your biggest, biggest concern is your, your dog. Okay. And this, oh, that's th- good. This white male officer is a, is a side okay. issue almost. I like in, that. In, okay. Uh, um, so... That's a good note. Yeah, that's a, maybe. Well, let's see if it works. But well, oh, you want to try this again? Yeah, yeah, any, yeah. Any other yeah. any other he adjustments you want to make? I believe he, he knocked. Okay, knock again. That was you? an authoritative uh, yeah, beginning to the scene. Hello, thanks for coming. I'm Officer Ashley, and you are uh, Marta Yost. You are the the resident. Uh, I'm the occupant, the uh, the victim, I guess. Please uh, come in, Officer Ashley. Thank you. I'm sorry for your trouble, ma'am. I did notice, however, that you opened the door when I knocked. Yes, I did that so that you could come in. All right, let's look at that line. Now, that was, that was yeah. Well, by the way, I, I want to say, I didn't think it was possible, but you were even better that time, Bill. <laughs> Just, I, it was I, a callback. I, I can't see Officer Ashley as anybody but Bill Irwin at this point. Um, I don't know who that other person in the scene was with you, but... Uh, uh, no, I just wondered if... Um, uh, when, when you say, yeah, I did that so you could come in, is a funny line what if uh you're after your pug dog and it's over your shoulder oh okay yeah uh, thank okay. you i'm sorry for your trouble ma'am i did notice however that you opened the door when i knocked uh, yes I, I did that so you could come in that's a great setup line for me because the next line is of mine is so good ma'am you did not ask for identification you left yourself vulnerable for further victimization in order to take a bite out of crime, you need to verify the identity of anyone requesting entry to your home. Did you just quote McGruff to me? Now, I see what's happening here, Bill. And I, I, I'm really like, it does seem like Paula, now that she has a point of focus on the pug, uh, her lines come across with a, little, with a little more veracity, I think. They do. And you know what? What would really make this sing is the physical life of this. I, I, I'm starting to see this. Your attention is... To your beloved dog, right, and this self-important presence is there. Uh, you can't do it, or how? I guess the question is, how do you do that in an audition? How do you? Yeah, right, you exactly. How do you reader? do that in audition? Because I want you to know that one time I was auditioning with a casting agent. The character that I was playing was supposed to grab the ears of the character. Yeah, and I was like, all right, do I grab the fucking casting guy's ears? <laughs> and and it was somebody that I met with more than once, by the way. I'd never touched the casting guy. It, it, well, I think I made that. Ba- I think I crossed that boundary because okay, I, I did. I I grabbed his ears and then I cut him open and hid inside. And he had a <laughs> thick, uh, well, yeah, insulating. Well, did, oh, he, uh, no, I well, did. I did. No, I did. I grabbed his ears. And as soon as I did it, I'm like, it was just so goddamn awkward. You know what you have to do there? What? Double down. Really? Yeah. Hold what, on to him. Just get him in a fucking vice grip. I guess so. Hold yeah, on to him. Leg lock. Look him in the eye yeah. and convince him that. That ear grab was oh. the right thing. I know. This yeah. is the thing in auditioning. I think what I did was just go totally red. 
Dude. Like, <laughs> like, like a Warner's Brothers character, though. It was like, glug, 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 glug. I was so embarrassed. Yeah. I hope I never see that man again. You know what? When we started, we cut off your first line, which is your real signature line. Which is? It's okay, Stanton. It's okay. Oh, I'm Come sorry. on, buddy. I started from well, that, the that well, precedes I, the knock. I, I, yeah, I knocked and I. I oh, okay. Let, let, let me try this again. Remember, okay. Paula, your right. focus is on the Stanton. Okay. Yes, the All whole right. time. All right, wait. Let me make sure. Okay, wait. Here's my problem, Bill, is that Wendell, my assistant, uh, made copies of the sides and. Uh, he put it on front and back, oh. and now I'm totally confused. Yeah, now as a casting director, okay. my next line would be, thank you. <laughs> All right. And then on the other side of the door, I'd go, fuck you. I didn't want your stupid job anyways. Okay, wait, here it is, Bill. I think I, I, think I found it. Um, all right, okay, ready? Okay. okay but before <clears throat> I'm that, I'm going to see if this helps. I'm going to give you, do you mind if I play Stanton too? I'm going to give you a little uh, uh, Oh, you're going to do Stanton. Oh, reason Stanton? Okay. to be uh, uh, all right. focused on Oh, Stanton. there's going to be some sound yeah. effects here. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's okay, Stanton. It's okay. Come on, buddy. Come on. There's a real dog in the room, and the real dog is reacting. Huh? Yeah, uh, uh. yeah, that's how good that's... Bill Irwin is. He he agitated Paula's dog with his agitated dog. That's true. My dog serious is uh, he's our pod dog. Right, and, and he got here. up and, and walked he... over to Bill when he heard Bill panting like a goddamn dog, like a dog in distress. He, he let's over. try this again. Yeah, let's try. But I am going to give you that pug. So I, I, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Right, serious, right. it's going to be okay, man. <laughs> Stanton, Stanton, it's okay. It's okay. Come on, buddy. Come on. Hello. Thank, thanks for coming. Uh, now, what do you want when you say that? Uh, what do I want? I want to get back to the dog. Oh, that's good. Okay. You want to get back to the dog? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm uh, Officer Ashley, and you are? Uh, Marty Yost. You are the resident? Uh, I'm the occupant, the, the victim, I guess. Uh, please come in, Officer Ashley. That's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, you're thinking about the dog. Thinking about you don't the have dog. time to make, you're not interested in making chit-chat with him. You know this is just something you have to do. That's great. It, 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 it starts to get like real life. And then I'm going to go, let's go back on it. And when you say, please come in, Officer Ashley, what do you actually want? Um, I don't know. What do I want? Please go away, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, 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 oh, it's, it's okay, Stanton. It's okay. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. Uh, hello. Uh, thanks for coming. Hello, I'm Officer Ashley, and now you are? Marta Yost. You, you are the resident here? I'm the occupant, the victim, I guess. Please come in. Officer Ashley. Uh, thank you. I'm very sorry for your trouble, ma'am. I did notice, however, that you opened the door when I knocked. Yes, I, I did that so you could come in. Ooh, I like that. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we have found our Stanton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's just, that was just wonderful. I mean, like. You're going to be in that Broadway show, The Pug. <laughs> I can't wait for the next pages. I I started to get who Martha Marta Yost is that time, and I I like her. I like her better than the, not better than Stan, but I like her better than the. Yeah. Police uh, we officers. really got Stan's yeah. We're getting to know Marta Yost yeah. now. These are really great pieces of advice. These are great notes, Bill. Yeah. God, what a what a thrill! That's the thing about an audition. It is the great trial. The the you you grimace when you, oh no I have to go read for another twenty four year old. But it is a chance to work. It's That's a, right. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, the next. Uh, because you've I never treated it you. as a chance to work. Your uh, auditions. No. You've you've treated them well, as a chance a to fail. A no, it's a chance <clears throat> to do another balloon animal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which it isn't. It, well, <clears throat> or shouldn't be. Well, it's yeah. yeah. No, I've done balloon I, you know, animals. I'm looking at this balloon animal here, Paul, yeah. and I'm going to ask you just a special favor. Yeah. You can continue to do these, and you're getting better. But just, thank you. Uh, maybe not pink every time. Mm. Are they always pink? Mm. They tend to be pink when you make shapes like that. Yes. And well, it's, it's, Adam, it's, I got good news for you. What? I got a purple in here. I, I, I wasn't asking you to make another. <laughs> I really yeah. wasn't requesting another, and that's blue, I believe. Oh, I guess it is blue. All right. That's all right. Um, all right, <laughs> okay. you guys. But, what? Nothing. I, okay. I, I think, I think we've, we've kind of cracked your audition process. Do you have any last-minute pieces of advice for Paula as she goes into audition? Like, like any other secret that you use? Well, I do. you know what you said when you got outside the door? Fuck you! Yeah. Yeah. How about on the way in, but like to yourself? Oh, oh! I, I'm starting yeah, to see how you work. Yeah. It's kind of puerile. It's, it's kind of childish. Something inside that they don't get. Yeah, they they know it's there, but they don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. it oh, doesn't work terrific. very often, but it, it makes you feel better. I, I mean. want you to know that one time I went to an audition right after you had been in there, and I heard them talking. You uh -oh. know what they said? They said, "Do I want to?" That guy's got on two different socks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, so Bill Irwin, for getting Paula me. one step closer to landing the role of Paula Poundstone in Paula Poundstone the movie. Paula, <laughs> what did you learn on this week's Outside the Actors Studio? Hey, Jason Shine, house band, hooter player. Um, will you uh, give me some background music for Bill's advice? <laughs> Bill Irwin told me, try to use a motivation. Like, I always use the motivation, I can't wait to get out of here. That one doesn't work, though. Give yourself the psychological advantage of knowing something the casting people don't know. So I might say to them, do you guys know what state's name has no letters in common with their capital? And if they say no, that's what I would use. If you grab the casting director's ears because the script calls for it, don't just grab his ears unnecessarily. But if you make the choice to grab his ears, go for it. Get him in a scissor lock, roll him, and tell him, you need me, you want me. <laughs> you can catch Bill Irwin on Legion on FX. Be sure to catch up on the first two seasons on Hulu, Amazon, or FX because the third season drops in June. Thank you so much, Bill Irwin, for being oh, here. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. What a gift. Yes. Fantastic. We'll be back right after this thingy. Not all heroes wear capes. Some heroes watch war movies and then review them. <laughs> Friendly Fire is a war movie podcast for people who don't necessarily like war movies, although it does not exclude people who love war movies. I'll have you know that I am wearing a cape. My cape is just made of sound-deadening material from an audio recording studio. <laughs> it's a really great show. John's daughter doesn't like it because we sometimes say swear words on it, but almost everybody else that has ever listened to it has enjoyed the, the program. Download and subscribe to Friendly Fire wherever you get your podcast. Yes. To the victor, go the spoiler alerts. Mmm, this cocoa is perfect, honey. Oh, thanks, babe, but the kids made it. 
Sherry, Kevin, how are your Max Fun Drive decorations coming along? I made a giant enamel pin for all of us to put at the top of the rocket. But, Moms, I always put the pin on the top of the rocket myself. Oh, Kevin, honey, it's time to start sharing these things. Whatever. The pod fairy isn't real. Mama and Mommy pay for our quality podcast. <gasps> mommy? Mama? Is the pod fairy fake? Well, sweetie, the truth is no one pod fairy could make all the wonderful shows you love to listen to. And it, it's true. Your mommy and I choose to pay a small monthly amount to make sure those shows exist. Hmm. I guess it does take a lot of work and resources to create a podcast. From generating ideas and booking guests and writing scripts and editing. Um, yes, honey. That's very important. And starting March 18th, we can listen to the year's best Max Fun Drive shows, knowing that we're helping make them happen. We wish you a great Max Fun Drive and a Beautiful, beautiful, Jason. Now, Paula, why don't you remind our listeners about this amazing soap contest that we just launched on this show? <laughs> I am offering, Adam, a yes. fresh hotel soap to yes. the listener who comes up with the best short sentence or two to describe our podcast. A hotel soap. A hotel soap. Three fresh hotel soaps from different hotels over the weekend. Um, when I do interviews like on the radio or, or uh, for newspapers or whatever to promote uh, the, the podcast. This podcast. Um, this very podcast. They'll say, what's the podcast like? And I just am ill-prepared, I think. I'll go, well, it's funny. Uh, it's, you know, fun. Uh, I'll say Adam's like, there. Yeah, Adam's there on every episode. Yeah. I'll say Again, like, you know, flattering. we have, uh, we have, you know, we have experts on different topics, you know, come uh -huh. in and, and. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, it's not good. It's just not good. Yeah. So and you're willing to pay the. I can't verbally communicate yeah. um, the, the, what the podcast it is. It makes me not want to listen to us. Well, exactly. That's right. my fear. Right. So I am offering, let one me remind the listener, hotel one, soap. one fresh hotel soap, and you can choose. I have a series of three right you now. You started collecting them because you're out on the road all the time, as we've covered. And, I am and, often on the and road. And so yes. somebody, you know, somebody might want to. You know, of soap from the you know some hotel in Memphis, and they've never been to Memphis. That well, precisely. It's almost like visiting a hotel in Memphis. Yeah, and if you go to Memphis, you'll find that people are very clean, and that's because they have fantastic hotel soap. Yeah, here's the current description as it appears on Maximum Fun. Mm -hmm. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is a comedy field guide to life, or at least a set of IKEA assembly instructions. Where else can you find advice on topics like how to keep a friend, to how to translate your Verizon bill, or even what do I do if I encounter a bear, and should I get a penis piercing? Paula and her co-host Adam Felber bring on leading experts and use their unique comedic sensibility to help us navigate the... Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, well, yeah. Look, I fell asleep in the a, middle of like, reading I that. Couldn't, like, I couldn't say that whole thing yeah. in an interview. So no. I, I rely on this. Well, it's funny. And that's not good either. Yeah, I use that yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, we're, okay, so, you know, I said, well, people could listen to it. That's one of the things. Yeah, it's I another say. bad one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm hoping. So if you'd uh, like to throw your hat in the ring for soap, you can win soap. You can email your short description to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. You know, Adam, I have a theory that if every one of our listeners told one person about nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, we could have five more listeners in no time. <laughs> yeah, well. Here's some simple sample dialogue. Oh, you've written some more dialogue. I, you are this prolific. Is, this is simple sample dialogue. 
dialogue that our listeners might use in case they're not sure. Oh, what I, to I'm say. all ears. This is this is so a listener might get in a conversation with a friend. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, the listener's friend, for example, might say, "Oh my gosh, is this your heating bill?" Listener, yes. Uh, listener's friend. This was the year of the polar vortex. Most of America's been freezing its ass off. How on earth did you keep your heating bill so low? Listener, oh, that's easy. Our whole family listens to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. We laugh so hard, it keeps us warm. Well, not our whole family. We didn't want the little one to hear the word fuck, so she's just been really cold. Well, that's a that's a delightful exchange. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, I you know I, I I don't like being you know negative about all this stuff, <laughs> but once again, you've written a very very specific bit of dialogue that yeah. I don't know is going to be useful to many of our listeners because this one in particular because it depends on on a on a listener's friend peering at their fuel bill. Well, yeah, which which hardly ever happens. Oh, you know how you'll, you'll have a friend over and you say, make yourself at home. Right. And so they start opening your bills. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, they'll just, no, seems... you know, if you have stuff out on your desk or something and people come over and they start sort of going through. Yeah, it just seems like there's so many sort of universal experiences that humankind has that, that going for one where some friend is looking at the other friend's heating bill, it's, it, it, it seems a little Well, you know, specific. Adam, the show is not for everyone. <laughs> You're right. We definitely have a bit of a niche here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I just want to expand the niche. That's all. Yeah, well, just one tiny niche at a time, apparently. Well, don't forget, our Maximum Fun pledge drive is just a week away. And with as little as $10 a month pledge, you can get the exclusive Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone pin that says, He's Not Here, in and reference to the survivalist who wasn't here, as opposed to the good one who was. It's a different one. And don't forget to follow Adam and me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I think that's about all we got tonight. All of you have survived. And barely. Uh, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman and mixing by Anthony Alfaro. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Jason Shine, our returning champ. And thanks again to our guests, Dan Baird and Bill Irwin, our head of security was Tony Anita Hull tonight. So <laughs> thank you, possums, for not attacking, because I don't really have great faith in her ability to fend off of Boy, this squirrel. was not a safe night to be a guest <laughs> no, on but this they, show. They made it. Good luck getting home, gents. All right, transcription services for this show are provided by Transcribe Me. For your special Paula Poundstone discount, use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.